In the Book of Mormon, the prophet Nephi wrote prophetically that people in a coming day would, quote, trample under their feet even the very God of Israel. In our Bible study this week, we see a fulfillment of that as wicked kings in both Israel and Judah turn repeatedly from the Lord to worship false gods. If nothing else, the tragic story of the fall of the kings we've been reading over the past weeks shows how difficult, real, and lasting conversion is. In this episode, we highlight three scriptural phrases that can help us make lasting change. Welcome to the Scripture Study Project. We are your hosts, Krista and Zach Horton, and this is our podcast where we study scripture with you. Our goal each week is to help you discover new or renewed excitement for God and His Word, invest your heart and personal life into your study, and connect with others as you teach and learn together. Hello, we are back this week, um, still studying in 2 Kings and still doing our special summer series. Discount, discount episodes. <laughs> our discounted episodes. Not only do you get these episodes for free, you get them shorter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still trying to decide if that's a good deal. I think so. Any any less that someone has to listen to my voice is a good a good thing. So we hope you are enjoying your summer, and we hope that you are enjoying our shorter episodes. So this week, Second um, Kings seventeen through twenty five, a big chunk, and again we are focusing on three things that help us. Um, in this case, for this week that help us make changes. Yeah. Well, and this block, honestly, was a hard one to shorten because I love these stories so much. King Hezekiah and King Josiah are two of my favorite uh, characters in the Hebrew Bible. And I love the stories. There's an emotional component to the story that just resonates with me. But the larger narrative in Second Kings... Um, actually first and second kings is really the repeated apostasy of israel uh, it reads very much like the book of helaman and third nephi in the book of mormon where you have this continual cycle of righteousness pride and then falling away um, in the old testament it's even more brazen than that because it's not just pride it's not something that sneaks up on them uh, a lot of these kings in Israel and in Judah, we have the divided kingdom. So there's the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And so the story bounces back and forth between the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. But for the most part, all of the kings in Israel and almost all of the kings in Judah uh, deliberately turn to wickedness. And you'll have a good king every now and again in Judah that will that will lead the people to repentance and there's a little bit of righteousness and then they fall right back into wickedness. In essence, these stories are setting up the narrative or setting up the justification for the narrative of bondage that will uh, be very real for the Israelites um, and for Jews as they're reading this Hebrew Bible. This explains the reason why they're in bondage. And so they read it as, here are the lessons we have learned or should learn from our past. And so as we looked at this block of scripture, we thought, boy, the question that would be really relevant to us is how can I make permanent change and escape the cycle that maybe constantly plagues me? And so we found three phrases in the scripture that we think might be really worthy of your attention and a great place to dive in deeper in your study. 
The first one uh, is a repeated phrase. I, I think I do that just about every episode where I, I, I latch on to repeated phrases because I know that the scriptural authors uh, don't have punctuation in Hebrew. And so the way that they will emphasize something is by repetition. Uh, there's a theme that starts all the way back in 1 Kings. You have Rehoboam, who's the first king of Judah, the son of Solomon. And right in chapter 12 in 1 Kings, I know it's back a couple of weeks, but um, he imposes greater taxes on the people so that he can increase his wealth. Um, that's what causes the 10 tribes to revolt under Jeroboam. And there's the splitting of the kingdoms into Israel and Judah. But Jeroboam does something in chapter 12, verse 31, that is um, unprecedented and very spiritually illegal. In verse 31, it says he made a house of high places. And the translation there actually indicates houses of high places and made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not the sons of Levi. What he has done is up to this point, there has been one holy place and one holy of holies and one designated high priest and then called priest to, de to work in that, first the tabernacle and then Solomon's temple. One place. And now, in an unauthorized way, this king of Judah has uh, democratized religion. He has taken this, this house of the Lord and he's made it convenient and accessible and spread it all around. And what will happen is, in, this, in the upcoming generations, successive kings will continue that practice and then they will turn those high places into altars for Canaanite or heathen gods. And the worship at those places becomes really gross. We move from animal sacrifice to child and human sacrifice or to the sacrifice of virgins. And it just, it's, it's an abomination. And the Lord refers to it that way, this abomination, this constant plague. And so that was chapter 12, verse 31. But if you want a quick rundown of every place these high places show up, it's 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 23, and 15, verse 14, and 22, verse 43, and 2 Kings chapter 12, verse 3, and chapter 14, verse 4, and chapter 15, verse 4, and 15, verse 35, and 16, verse 4. Uh, 17, verse 9, the beginning of this week, has a big long run of a description. This is verse 9. The children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God, and they built them high places in all their cities, from the tower of the watchman to the fenced city. And they set them up images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree. And there they burnt incense in all the high places, and as did the heathen whom the Lord carried away before them, and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. A little bit later on in the chapter, uh, verse 17, they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire. That's a, a pagan, a Canaanite worship uh, ritual where they would make their children walk through fire, they would die, and that's how they would worship these foreign gods. So it's just gruesome. And what's even more harrowing is that in some of these places, when you have a good king of Judah, like Asa is a good king of Judah back in First Kings, and he does righteous, lives righteously, but he won't destroy the high places. And it takes all the way until Second Kings chapter 18, under the reign of Hezekiah, Verse 4, he removed the high places and broke the images and cut down the groves. Um, Josiah, the king after him, does the same, or a couple kings after him, does the same thing. And so these high places become a theme and maybe a good place for us to examine our own worship. 
high places are places where I persistently uh, am tempted to worship false idols. You know, insert your modern false idol. To destroy a high place is to examine that habit or that place where I persistently worship or am tempted to worship that false idol and to find a way to eliminate that place or that space or that temptation from my life. And if we're thinking about our high places today, that would be the places that we're spending our time, or maybe not the places necessarily, but the things that we're focusing on, what we're doing with our time, how we're... What we're elevating in our what, lives. Yeah, what we're... That's a good... That's Oh, I like that thought mm-hmm. with the high places is the high things are what we put our priorities on mm-hmm. and how are we spending our time um, and what are we doing. And I think that is always a good thing to take a look at and re-examine as we're trying to make changes. The next phrase that we're going to focus on comes from chapter 23. It's during the reign of King Josiah, another good king. Um, They're reconstructing the temple and they find pieces of scripture and the priests read them. King Josiah reads them. And here's what happens in verse 2. The king went to the Lord's temple with all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, as well as the priests and the prophets all the people from the youngest to the oldest, he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. Next, the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant in the Lord's presence to follow the Lord and to keep his commands, his decrees, and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul in order to carry out the words of this covenant that were written in the book. All the people agreed to the covenant. Okay, that's kind of a long phrase. I said, (laughs) (laughs) but we're going to go with it. So um, just a couple phrases from here that I think are important. I love first that um, he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant and then that they all agree at the end. So this is then at the end of verse three. Um, They made a covenant in the Lord's presence to follow, keep his commandments, his decrees with all his heart with all his soul in order to carry out the words of the covenant. I think as we're trying to make change, and like Zach has mentioned, this is a time of change. There's a lot of evil kings. There's a lot of people doing not what they're supposed to. But there's also a lot of people trying to do good and trying to repent. And I think that this story, this these couple verses can teach us that um, scripture, the words of God, are ways that help us change because they remind us, they keep us with him. They remind us who he is and what he has done for his people. And it's a way for us to connect to him, which is important as we make changes, to remember who it is that we're changing for and who it is that can help us make those permanent changes. I like that a lot. I I love, I've always loved that that image of King Josiah reading the scriptures, um, just reading the entire book of the law in the ears of all Israel. And it's this, the reading of that scripture that motivates this incredible change. And so I've always felt that, that reading, not just, not just studying the scriptures, highlighting the verses and looking for things that we like, but reading the story of the scriptures. There's a power in reading that that I don't know if it loops us into the, the divine narrative or helps us to feel a part of the larger plan, but something happens when we read scripture that motivates and then sustains change. The third phrase connected to that that I really liked was, 
after Josiah reads the scripture himself, he then petitions the priest to ask the Lord, essentially, what do we do? I just read the scripture and it outlines exactly what we should be doing as a people. We have not been doing that. Uh, we have for hundreds or thousands of years, we have been uh, disobedient to this book of the law. What do we do now? And the Lord responds in no uncertain terms that there will be uh, destruction and bondage that comes to the kingdom of Judah. And in only a couple of chapters, we see that. Uh, Israel has already been conquered by Assyria, and so the kingdom of Israel no longer exists. Um, and pretty soon the kingdom of Judah will no longer exist. It'll be conquered by the Babylonians, and that'll be the end of both kingdoms. Um, of course, this is where the Book of Mormon takes off. Lehi and his family leave before the Babylonians come in and take over Judah. But the Lord outlines that to, to Josiah. But then he says this. This is chapter 18, verse uh, 18 and 19. The Lord says, To the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord when thou heardest what I spake against this place, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Um, I love the phrase that thy heart was tender. Um, and I think if we're looking to make change, change begins and continues in the heart. And if there's anything we learn from these kind of cyclical stories of righteousness and apostasy, it's that when the heart is hardened or stubborn, change doesn't happen. When the heart is soft or tender, then change happens and it continues and persists. And so sometimes maybe the place we look best for change isn't in necessarily the things that we do. Maybe it's the way that we feel about what we're doing or the way that we feel about what we need to do or feel about what we're being asked to do. To examine our heart and see if it's tender and to see if it's soft uh, might lead us closer to making permanent changes. So as you're studying this pretty actually big group of scriptures and a lot of history and a lot of things. We hope that this helps you focus or even have um, something to be reminded of how you can make change. The things we talked about were getting rid of those high places, um, reading in their ears, um, studying scripture to help us change, and having a tender heart or being humbled. And I think that there's going to be a lot more things. That's what it's all about, right? Making change in our lives, becoming a better person through Christ, through God. And um, I think that these are these will be a great start to helping you find that and make those changes. Thank you so much for studying with us. Um, we'll be back next week and hope you're having a great summer. See you later.